everybody. I'm Robert Land, and welcome to our Best of the Astros Player Special. This is part two. We've had some interesting conversations with Astros players over the past year, many of which go well beyond the field. You'll hear from Colin McHugh, Jake Marisnik, Pat Neshack, and Will Harris. And if this is the first time you've heard our show, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or on our free Houston Sports Talk Android app. We'll be right back with some of the interviews, but let's take a second with a word from our sponsor. Houston Sports Talk is brought to you by the Goff Financial Group. The Goff Financial Group is an independent, fee-only investment advisor serving Houstonians for over 20 years. Not sure how your investments are performing or simply need a second opinion? Call the Goff Financial Group at 713-850-8900 for a complimentary portfolio review. That's 713-850-8900. The Goff Financial Group, your source for objective financial advice. Online at GoffFinancial.com. That's G-O-F-F Financial.com. Hey, let's start off with Lance McCullers. We'll talk Tony Gwynn, Nolan Ryan, Max Scherzer, and what happened in high school that changed his life. But I started off by asking him about his dad, Lance McCullers Sr., who played in the major leagues and whose career was over before Lance himself was born. I wasn't born when my dad played in the big leagues. He didn't talk about it a whole lot. Um, it was always about family first and just really letting his kids, me and my two younger brothers, just enjoy playing ball and you know try not to like feel like we have to live up to dad's um, shadow type thing. But I did see some tape of my dad, and um, I know he was an excellent pitcher, even though he, uh, he won't admit it. Now that you look back and, and you've kind of gone through this whole process, what do you feel like the best advice he gave you was? Just to enjoy the game and that um, you know every second you're here, it's a blessing, but uh, don't hang your hat on what you do on the field. You know, there's, there, there's a lot more to life than just baseball, but at the same time, enjoy every moment and just make sure whenever you go out there, you don't leave anything um, behind because before you know it, it'll, it'll be gone. I'm old enough, unfortunately, to remember your dad as a pitcher and back in the mid-80s with the San Diego Padres, and he played with the legendary Tony Gwynn, Hall of Famer, and Tony just passed away within the last couple of years. Is there anything that he talked to you about Tony and what kind of a guy he was and is maybe a good Tony Gwynn story? Just an unbelievable person, first and foremost. I think a lot of people um, are remembered for what they do on the field. I, when he passed away and I talked to my dad, I think you know the only thing he could really remember about Tony was what an amazing guy he was and just kind of the exuberance that he brought into the clubhouse and how he came to the ballpark every day and just every day he was at the field was just um, a huge blessing to him. Unbelievable ball player and uh, you know he was lucky, my dad was lucky to uh, be able to play beside someone like that. If I remember correctly, your dad played his last year with the Rangers and Nolan Ryan was on that staff so you're now in the same organization as Nolan. You, you guys both know him. Have you guys learned anything from Nolan Ryan and have you talked to Nolan about all that? No. No, I, I haven't. I haven't gotten the chance to um, speak with him, but um, everybody knows how good Nolan Ryan was. It doesn't take a whole lot of watching or talking to him to be able to learn from what he did in his career. So um, I've, I've, I've observed a lot from the outside. I heard Max Scherzer has had a huge influence on the way you pitch. Describe what 
he does that has helped you? You know, I think you just kind of find someone that you think you kind of uh, reside with, maybe identity-wise. I think the way he competes out there is um, something that I go out there a lot and try to try to, try to resemble. No matter what the uh, the game may bring, no matter what kind of stuff I have that night, I'm always going to be the biggest competitor on the field. And uh, just the way uh, he goes about his business, the way he pitches is, is unbelievable. I really love to, I love to watch him. I watch every single one of his starts on uh, MLB and uh, just, you know, kind of strive to follow in his footsteps. Besides your dad, is he your favorite pitcher? Did you have a guy that growing up that was your favorite? He's the one. Yeah, Matt, Max, is, Max is the one um, for sure. I think he's uh, I think he's unbelievable. Best pitcher in the game for sure. That's good to hear. I'm a Missouri grad, so that's nice to hear. And also, I'm a straight Jesuit grad from here in Houston. You went to Tampa Jesuit out in uh, Florida. And I wanted to ask you, you know, one of the things that you have to do as a graduate of the Jesuit High School, is you got to you have to do community service, and I, I wondered what you did for your community service, and, it, and is that informed what you think you might want to do in the future if you were to stay in the big leagues for a while? Jesuit was an unbelievable all-around experience. I think it gives you different perspective on life, entering Jesuit to leaving. You know, those are kind of the key year, key years in, in in people's life going through high school. You find out who you are. You kind of get your identity about yourself. Understand and realizing that you know God puts you in a position to be able to help others and do things for other people is extremely important and I think you know going forward you had to just kind of have to decide you know where, where your heart lies but when I was at Jesuit I did a lot of work with um, special needs kids especially a program called Challenger Baseball which is actually was set up by our head coach at, at Jesuit and we would um, go out to the field a couple times you know on the weekend and just play baseball with these kids who were uh, who were handicapped but I think that's where I almost fell in love with the game all over again because these kids one time a week would go play baseball and you could tell it was just the highlight, highlight of their highlight of their life really. That's incredible and and how big a decision was it? How difficult it was because Jesuit is all about education. It's that's their tenant, and then you're deciding whether you want to go on to educate yourself further and go on to the University of Florida or sign with the Astros in the in the draft. How difficult the decision was that for you? I think it, that was part of the reason that I think people thought I had or I did have such a strong commitment to going to college because I came from somewhere that valued education and I came from a family who of teachers oh, my grandfather my mom my aunt they're all teachers they all you know value education they all love to pass that on so I think because I went to a school that is so focused on education and school and I didn't miss class I didn't I never cut class I never you know missed a test got an extension on a test because of sports none of that stuff so I think just because of the way that went was why I was so inclined to, to go to Florida and really the perfect storm of things were going to have to happen for me to be able to sign with the club. That was Lance McCullers, who had an amazing debut last season. Next, we'll hear from Jake Marisnik, who grew up in Riverside, California. So I started off by asking him, what team he was a fan of as a kid. Growing up, I was an Angels fan. I'd, I'd get out to a few games and, and watch them play, and I uh, loved the stadium out there and everything. What's it feel like to go against the Angels now and, and, and you're their rival in the division? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool getting out there, and i uh, got a lot of family and friends that come out when we play out there. And first game out there was a little surreal kind of standing out there on the field, but, I mean, now they're the enemies, so... What was the guy or two that growing up that you looked to and said, this is the guy I, I'm, I'm looking at, my favorite player and who I want to be like? Uh, on the Angels, I was a big, big Tim Salmon guy. And then, uh, I mean, just in baseball, Torrey Hunter's a guy that I've kind of looked up to my whole career. Uh, what 
kind of stuff do you like to do off the field? A lot of people are just getting to know who Jake Marisnik is. What, what do you do for fun when you're maybe when you're on the plane? What kind of stuff are you are you doing to keep yourself occupied during road trips and that sort of thing? A little bit of everything off the field. Do like fishing, play some video games. Um, I mean, play cards here and there. And do you have a favorite song that kind of gets you going before you, the game starts, or do you have a group, or what? What do you? What kind of music are you listening to? It changes right now. I'm kind of like on a, a Rage Against the Machine type type artist kind of I stick around there but it'll go from rap to country to it just depends how I'm feeling that day that was Astros outfielder and generally great hair looking guy Jake Marisnik now let's hear from reliever Pat Neshek who's been through a lot professionally and personally over the last few years he's gone through a few teams including the Cardinals Padres Twins and A's prior to arriving in Houston you'll hear about his personal tragedy later in the interview, but we'll start off by talking about his hobby, sports memorabilia collecting. He even has his own sports memorabilia website. When I was a kid, I collected a lot. My dad would take me to the card shops, and it was a really fun time growing up in that that era with all, all my friends collected, and uh, that got me into it. And then uh, when I went to college, I had a roommate that was a really big autograph collector. I'd travel around with him to AAA stadiums, get autographs, and uh, that kind of got me back into it. And then... Uh, Obviously, when I got to the minors, a lot of my friends had baseball cards, so I'd get their autographs. And um, majors, it was it was really easy to get them. So that got me into collecting cards, autographs, and uh, just about any, anything memorabilia-wise. Is there a player in history maybe that you would have really loved to have seen, uh, maybe a player or two that uh, you're like, I'd, I'd love to go back in time and see that guy play? A lot of the old ball players, probably like Lou Gehrig would be really cool to, to go watch. Um, a lot of the pitchers like Bob Gibson. It'd be neat to be teammates with them and, and just see what it was like. I don't know if it seems unusual at all for a baseball player to be interested in, in baseball, but the history of it, what are the percentage of the guys that are on your team are into this? What would you say, of, like in the Astros clubhouse, how many guys do you think um, would be? Probably maybe with one, one or two other guys. That's that's usually the consensus. I know Gaddis likes, likes a lot of that stuff. Um, some guys, like, they have a different type of... Uh, niches like some guys like jerseys or baseballs or bats and uh uh but it's it's not many it's, it's maybe one to two per clubhouse i think you grew up in uh wisconsin then you went to high school in minnesota i know you have a couple guys that you really loved uh, as far as your heroes in baseball uh, tony gwynn and kirby puckett obviously kirby puckett i understand with the minnesota connection uh why, why tony gwynn i always liked the way he approached hitting and uh you know, he'd slap the ball, and, and it seemed like he was always on base. He, he was a good one, a fun one to watch. And, uh, you know, yeah, obviously Kirby Puckett was the, the hero in Minnesota, and uh, it was a fun time to grow up. You played in the Cardinals organization. They've had this great history and especially a lot of success over the last few years. Do you see any comparisons between what Jeff has brought here coming over from the Cardinals? You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, we're winning like crazy this year, so it's uh, it's pretty similar in that regards. I think we actually have a lot better offensive team than we did last year. To me, it's it's a lot funner clubhouse. These guys are excited every night. You know, with the Cardinals, it was you just expected to win, and if you did, oh well, we won. And 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 here, it's you know, everybody uh, everybody goes nuts after the game. So uh, it, it's fun to be a part of guys seeing guys so excited. Do you feel like that Jeff has brought a lot of things from here? Can is there stuff that you're seeing? I mean, not just, uh, I guess, analytics, but just uh, maybe stuff that maybe we can't see, that the players can't. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know really uh, what, what they value in, in the analytics, but uh, obviously they're definitely going for the speed guys, the home run guys, and it, it's pretty neat to see somebody committed to putting together a really good bullpen. You know, I think that's one of the key characteristics 
you know, going forward here, I think in the next 10 years, you're going to see a lot of these teams trying to get the, the best shutdown guys you could find. And uh, that's what made me excited when he, when he mentioned uh, Luke coming over here. I, you know, I thought, hey, we could maybe be a part of a, a really good bullpen. And, and, uh, and that's what usually uh, succeeds in the playoffs. And I think a lot of teams are going to realize that here if they haven't already. You've probably told this story a, a few times, but can you explain how your pitching style started up? I, I think there's something happened in high school, right? That's how it began. I, I've always been kind of herky-jerky, but I, I threw probably three quarters, and uh, I was bad in, in my last high school game, and the pitcher threw a ball at my head, and I got out of the way, but it, it ended up hitting me on the wrist, and uh, I had a big lump, and I went out to play shortstop, and it just really hurt throwing the ball my normal the normal way, and uh, I eventually started throwing kind of submarine i just wing it over there and it, that felt pretty good there was a lot less pressure on my arm because it felt every time i throw it something was just tugging at my wrist uh it just felt my, my, like my wrist was going to explode so so when i went sidearm um uh, there was a lot less pain on there, and uh, I tried throwing, you know, every week after that, and I couldn't do it from my normal position, but when I dropped down, it didn't hurt at all. So that, it kind of just stuck. It was kind of nothing else I could really do. To, uh, that was probably the, uh, you know, I dropped down, it, there was not much pain. So that was probably the reason why I did it. Do you see its effects on hitters? Do you think that that's kind of uh, changed what you've been able to do in the major leagues at times? Yeah, you know, I, I was drafted throwing the three quarters, but I, you know, you always wonder how, you know, there's so many guys that do that. If it, how long, you know, would I have, would I have burned out in, in A ball or double A? You don't know, but it's definitely uh, the way I throw is definitely uh, the biggest reason why I'm up here and why I've uh, why I've had success. I know a lot of hitters. It's it's kind of tough to pick up, and and I've read articles where they interview guys, or I give a home run, and the guy said, "I don't know, I hit it." You know, I was just kind of looking out, and and I got that pitch, and it hit the bat, and but yeah, it, it's uh, that's definitely what I do, and uh, uh, and it works. You've been very open about the loss of your son as an infant, and I'm just wondering. Has that been cathartic to talk about it and share your story? And, and are you hearing from people that has, has really helped? You're getting feedback from baseball fans or somebody that has helped them in whatever they're dealing with with their own child. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. You know, um, it, it was something, uh, you know, you know, we went through and, and, and we still, you know, it, it still kind of haunts us every day. There's really no way to, you'll ever get over it. You know, you just, you learn to... You just learn to try to move on, and it's tough though. We got our our, our son Hoyt, and you always wish, uh, you know, he had an older brother around. And not many people have went through that, you know. I mean, a lot of people they had a miscarriage, but I mean, we, you know, he was born, and 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 he was around, you know, that that first day, and uh, you know, it, it was really tough having your son taken away from you after you held him for a full day. You just heard Pat Neshek on the loss of his infant son. If you missed it, there was a tremendous in-depth ESPN article on that story. You can go to our website. HoustonSportsTalk.net to find the link to the article. Just type Nishek into the search window to find where I blogged about the piece and attach the link. Up next, let's hear from starter Colin McHugh. Our conversation hits on everything from his family's musical roots to how pitching is an art. But I started off by asking him about coming to Houston when his career wasn't exactly rolling along, and neither was the Astros organization. Both of those things changed when he came to Houston. Having come from where I came from and, and the numbers that I had put up, they were not good. Like you said, they were they were really not good. So coming to a place like Houston, who was in, in the process of rebuilding, where there was opportunity in the rotation, I looked at it immediately as like a blessing in disguise, maybe. Just to be able to come here and throw the ball, throw the ball well, and, and know that you're going to get the ball every five days was uh, was huge. And something that I didn't I didn't really have before in the other two teams that I played for. And so 
to be able to kind of take that and run with it was uh, was really special. You strike me as somebody that's probably thought about what you what you would be doing if you weren't playing baseball. And when your career ends, what have you thought about as far as you know what you might have been doing if you weren't playing baseball, and maybe what you you're thinking about doing when your career is over with? Well, I went to school for uh, international business and finance, so I don't know what I would be doing with that. Probably working in some bank working at a you know nine to five desk job i'd probably enjoy it i i I enjoyed school i thought i was gonna have to do that i never thought baseball would be an an option for me so but if i wasn't doing that i really love writing it's always been a passion of mine so in some sort of capacity writing is is fun whether it's a novel or a column or just a blog or whatever online baseball's gonna be over one of these days so i'll have to figure it out sooner uh Hopefully later rather than sooner. It's funny you should mention that because I wanted to ask you about it. You have the blog, and one of the your recent blogs was about what to do with the uh, eight and a half minutes <laughs> of save time with the uh, sped up game. And what was your favorite of those uh, ideas that you had, of kind of things you can do to, with your extra eight and a half minutes of time that you got? So I don't play Clash of Clans. It's an app, or I guess a game that you can play on your phone and iPad and stuff. But one of my buddies is a big Clash of Clans guy. I think Nishak and maybe a couple guys aren't here. I was asking them kind of what what would be some good ideas and he said you could upgrade one one eighty seventh of your archer tower i didn't understand what that meant but once i looked into it a little bit i thought that was kind of funny but yeah i mean eight and a half minutes is not a ton not a ton of time but for us watching the game it seems to pick up the pace just a little bit so yeah you seem like an idea guy you come up with a lot of good ideas what exactly would you think would be some good ideas as far as speeding up the game that maybe the even the players could get on board with? I think we're doing a good job now. Um, honestly, I think that in between innings is probably where most time is lost, just because there was no no real regulation about it. If a catcher was up last, then you know maybe a pitcher would take his time coming out of the dugout. If in the National League, if pitcher was hitting, then he would definitely take his time. Having just a clock out there kind of give you a an idea of what it's supposed to be has helped a lot, and I think that it's. It's made everybody be a little bit more aware of what a pace of a baseball game should look like. And uh, anything beyond that, I think you're probably bordering on messing with the the actual kind of cadence of the game. I think we're doing a good job now. We'll, we'll ride it out for a year, see how it goes, and make any adjustments we need to from there. If you got into a room with Commissioner Rob Manford, he seems to be looking for different ideas to improve baseball. Have you thought about that? Maybe some some ideas that you might have if you got a chance to talk with him. Yeah, I think we've you know we've talked as a uh, players' association in spring training and, and kind of throughout the year of, of things that probably will end up coming up in the, in the next uh, collective bargaining. There's some definite things on both sides and some things that I think we can do to make the game more fran- fan friendly, uh, be able to interact with fans in a cool new cool new way, especially given the emergence of social media, TV broadcast, and, and deals that the teams are striking with, with TV companies. So I think there's a lot of things that, that we could talk about and, and try and figure out, but it's... Uh, you know, it's, it's tough because there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of parties that um, they need to agree. And this game's been relatively unchanged for about a, for over 100 years now. And and I think that people like that. I think the players like that. I think owners like that. So um, anything we do, hopefully, it doesn't mess with that first and foremost. But I think there are def- definitely some things that are on the horizon that'll be fun for fans to watch. One of my favorite things that you wrote about in your blog was you talked about what you would tell your younger self if you were to do it all over again. And you wrote about the fact that you had a condo with five roommates <laughs> and you said you'd, you would never do that again. What's the best story that, that comes out of that? What, what do you think of, uh, I mean, there's got to be a lot of crazy ones that we could, we could put on the air, I guess. So we were, yeah, we're in Port St. Lucie, Florida. There was five roommates, one wife, one girlfriend, 
a dog, and then next door there were three more guys who lived in the adjoining apartment next door. None of us had any money because we were in, in the minor leagues, and so we all would just cut each other's hair. None of us knew what we were doing, but we figured it's better than the 15, 20 bucks you're going to spend on a haircut, so... We would all go out on the on the patio next to the next to the little lake behind us and take turns cutting each other's hair, see which one looks worse, and cut mohawks and do all these things until we realized you probably you know we're probably just gonna shave it off. So <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. I remember having a good time doing that. You described pitching as a as an art. You kind of think of yourself as an artist. Can you describe what about pitching do you think makes it an art form? I wouldn't say I consider myself an artist. First and foremost, my wife is an artist. She's She's talented. She's studied it. She knows art. She is a graphic designer and a printmaker, and she's an artist. I'm a, I'm a baseball player. But there are a lot of things about art that tend to cross over in baseball. I think just the idea of knowing what you're going to get when you reach down and, and use the tool that's in front of you. With art, it's easy because you see it. You see the color that you're supposed to get. You put the color on a canvas. And with, with baseball, especially with pitching, you don't always know exactly what you're going to get when you go out there. You might throw a great pregame bullpen and go out on the mound, and it's you know, your fastball looks different or your curveball looks different. It doesn't have the same bite. Maybe it has a little bit more life to it. So for me, the, the consistency of knowing when you go out there to the mound, when you, a batter steps in the box, knowing what you're going to get when you pull out a fastball, when you pull out a curveball, when you pull out a changeup, and being able to kind of liken that to the idea of an artist putting stuff on a canvas, it made sense to me in my head. So uh, me and my wife had talked about that a, a long time ago, and it's always something that's kind of stuck with me. If it was an art and you're watching pictures today, which guys are the Van Goghs and the Picassos the guys that you like to watch out on the mound? There's a lot. I think the game's turning into into more of a pitching game right now. It goes in waves for sure, but the last few years we've seen some unbelievable performances. You know, We've seen two, two MVPs um, in the last five years from pitchers, Verlander and, and Kershaw. We've seen Bumgarner be relatively unhittable in the playoffs, and then we've seen just consistent performances from guys uh, you know, year after year after year. It's tough. I don't know if I don't know if we're ever going to see another 300 game winner because um, just of the way the game's changed and the depth of bullpens and stuff like that. But in my lifetime, I don't know if I've ever seen as many good pitchers in the big leagues at one time uh, throwing as well as they are. So for me, it's fun to watch whoever we're throwing out there, whether it's Dallas like he was last night or a guy going for them on any day. It's fun to go out and watch what guys are doing, what guys are capable of doing these days, and, and try and take your cues from that and, and get better. From what I understand, you're pretty consistent reader you, you like to get in maybe a book per month what's been your favorite book or two that uh you've read over the last uh, few months so in spring training i finished uh finished john adams his biography by david mccullough who's a great writer a great history writer makes makes it uh, fun makes it kind of lively and interacting it was a long read for me because it's a long book but i really enjoyed every second of it i wanted to read that before i went and watched the miniseries you know that hbo did that it was based off of so i, I really i enjoy history i like the, the american revolution is uh really exciting and, and interesting to me. So um, that was probably my favorite book so far, but I've gotten into a little bit of Kurt Vonnegut, which is a very different <laughs> very different avenue as far as reading goes. But um, yeah, just try to expand my horizons and read a little bit of everything. You have a lot of different interests. I know you'd like to travel. You like to uh, you like music. You play several instruments. Uh, what, where does that come from? Because I, from what I understand, your, your sister, she's in Nashville. She's a country music writer, and your family is all very much involved with the arts. How does that all come about in your family? Uh, my grandmother was a gospel singer in Georgia for years and years, coming up through the 40s, 50s, 60s. And yeah, my, my brother and sister are both singer-songwriters in Nashville. My little brother just graduated from film school, and, and I'm kind of the dumb jock who plays baseball. But we kind of all just grew up appreciating the arts in, in whatever form it was. I, you know, I grew up playing instruments, whether it was, I played clarinet growing up and then kind of evolved into guitar and saxophone and drums and 
stuff like that. And I don't know, it's uh, it's something that we've always enjoyed as a family, something that we've always appreciated. Our parents were just very encouraging about uh, exploring that, you know, where, wherever that took us. Are there Astros that you can jam with? Is there guys around here that uh, you play you play your instruments with? Fields can play guitar. Um, we've got a, we got a couple guys who can uh, who can pick it a little bit. So uh, we're going to have to bring, bring some guitars on the road and see what we can do. I understand you also like to travel, and you've been to Europe several times. Is there a place in Europe that's your favorite place or a place that you would even think about moving to later on in your life? I don't know about moving. Living there for a little bit maybe, but uh, I think this last time we went, Copenhagen was really it was one of my favorite cities. Denmark's just Denmark's really beautiful. You know, we went in, in November, so it was, it was a little chilly, but it was a very clean city, very design-forward city. The people are all just really beautiful people, and uh, I had a really good time there. It's just uh, it's one of those places that not many people tend to travel to when they're going to Europe. You know, you hit the major spots, you hit the Paris and the Barcelona and London, and but the northern, kind of the northern rim up there with southern Sweden and Denmark, and it was a lot of fun. We had a really, really good time. So there you go. You might look for McHugh in the Nordic countries during the offseason if you're just traveling around. Well, finally, let's talk Cajun with Slidell, Louisiana's Will Harris. I started off by asking him if he's found some good crawfish in Houston. Yeah, we actually uh, live uh, close to BB's Cafe over in the Heights, so we uh, we make our way over there as much as we can and get some good food. Actually, went there last night. Uh, I didn't get any of the crawfish, but they got a bunch of po' boys and uh, boudin balls and things like that, and uh, so it's good. You seem to have snuck up on a lot of Astros fans and maybe people around baseball with the kind of year you've had. You had a really good close to last season you had I think 16 scoreless innings you come into this year what, what's changed for you uh, maybe towards the end of last year coming into this year not a whole lot to be honest coming up I uh, felt like I had a lot of success in the minor leagues um, doing you know kind of what I've always done sticking to sticking to my game plan 2013 had a had a good year with Arizona doing a lot of the same stuff had a rough start last year had a couple of bad outings uh, that kind of spoiled my numbers there for a while um, but you know, went back down to the minor leagues, kind of did what I always did, uh, came back up, didn't change anything, and have taken the same approach this year. So I'm the same pitcher I've always been, take the same approach I've always uh, always took, and so just uh, you know, maybe a little little bit better fortune this year. One guy that you did know coming in here was Tony Sip. Tell me a little bit about you guys' background. You, you, I believe you goes, go back to high school, right? Yeah, we played for the same uh, summer program uh, kind of travel ball thing, uh, I guess they call it nowadays. Uh, Bill Hood Baseball, we had a, you know, a lot of guys from Louisiana, couple guys sprinkled in from Mississippi, Tony being one of those. And, yeah, we uh, you know went all the way back, played, played, played a summer together, you know, and then actually played, played together in Arizona in 2013. And now we're back here and, you know, two, two locker spaces away. So it's nice. Tony's, uh, Tony's a good friend. What kind of guy is Tony uh, from being around him a little bit uh, over the years? And has he changed much since you knew him as a kid? No. You know, he's, he's always been a, uh, a very quiet, confident guy. Really, really one of the better guys in baseball that I've come across. You know, he's there for you. Any question, anything you want to ask him, you know, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a good, honest friend, which, uh, which I really appreciate. One of the things that a lot of people probably wouldn't have known about you coming in was uh, Jesus Ortiz wrote a really great feature on you in spring training from the Houston Chronicle talking about how you lost your mother in an accident when you were six and your, your father leaves when you were nine years old. And I just am curious, how does that change the way you go about life? And, you know, how did you deal with all of that as a kid? You know, everybody, I feel like in this clubhouse has had something tragic happen to them. You know, I don't think it separates me from 
promote anybody in here. If anything, it you know made me a lot closer with my brothers, you know, my grandparents and things like that. You know, I was really blessed as a kid and had a great childhood and you know had a great upbringing and a lot of people that cared about me and a lot of friends and a lot of good family that I still you know stay in ton- contact with on a daily basis. So I'm fortunate to be where I'm at. Is there anything that you can? In part on kids, I mean, you're in this unique situation as a baseball player. You get to, you know, interact with a lot of kids and they look up to you. Is there anything that you can tell them from having gone through that? Or just do you feel like just being that going through that is just and being here is an inspiration in itself? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, like I say, it's 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 nobody's nobody's life is, is going to be a, a perfect ride all the way through. You know, you're, you're, you're going to lose grandparents, you're going to lose friends, you know, sometimes parents in my case, sometimes brothers and sisters, you know, so to each their own, you know, how you want to handle things, I guess. I don't, I don't know the right way, the wrong way. And I don't, I don't, I don't really have an answer for that one. Well, your grandparents raised you, uh, were they able to see what you've been able to, to accomplish and playing the big leagues, are they still still here and with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my grandfather passed away when I was in college, but my grandmother, she's still here. She watches every game, listens on the radio when she can. Uh, she's she's made a few games this year, so yeah, she uh, she follows. She knows a lot about baseball. She's been going to baseball games since man, since she was a little little girl. She's a very uh, very bright baseball mind. I believe your brother sort of set the path for you, right, as far as baseball is concerned. You played with him at LSU. Tell me what he, how he helped you along the way. Yeah, you know, he's kind of been the uh, the trailblazer for me. You know, everything I've done in my career, uh, he's he's kind of done first. So uh, being a couple years older than me, so yeah, he's uh, he's uh, was a really really good baseball player. You know, in his time in high school, and then going to LSU, and then getting into pro ball before me, and things like that. So uh, he's a guy I bounce a lot of stuff off of. Uh, he's here this weekend, so we've woke up the last two mornings. You know, had coffee, talked about baseball, talked about you know different things in the game, and. He's definitely a resource for me that uh, that I use as much as I can. Well, I'm going to go a little lighter, uh, thankfully, at this point, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the bullpen guys. Tell me, uh, of all the guys, the bullpen guys are usually pretty different, uh, unique personalities, kind of strange. Who's the who's the strangest guy in the bullpen? Is it you? No, no. I, I don't, I, maybe they might say that. I don't really know. Uh, you know, we got a lot of guys that, like I said, that have been, been around for a long time, and they know who they are. They know... They know what they're about. They uh, have their routines, and so uh, strangeness. You know, I don't know. Strange. I probably the best character we have down there would be our, our actual bullpen catcher. You know, Javier Bracamonte is. Uh, he's been here for a long time, and he's a really good dude. And we, you know, we'll we'll mess with him here and there, pick on him, and you know, he has a really big phobia of snakes. So we'll we'll throw some throw some rubber bands on him and stuff, and watch him watch him get pretty scared. But you know, as far as guys that are different, you know, we all probably have our have our little quirks here and there you bullpen guys have a lot of spare time on your hands what are you guys doing in the bullpen how do you guys keeping yourself busy uh before you get out there we have our little routine you know we get down there and kind of get get our stuff set 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 where we normally keep it so we know it's there you know when 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 the phone is called where our gloves at where you know different stuff is you know the red hot or stuff like that that you know we rub on our arms and just kind of Make sure everything's in line, and then you know, then we, we watch the game. You know, keep keep an eye on the pitch count, keep an eye on you know the starting pitcher, what they're throwing. Maybe keep an eye on the umpire's zone. You know, kind of get a feel for feel for how that is that that particular day. And but yeah, we we laugh and we you know we crack jokes and things like that for sure. For those that don't know you all that well, we just been in Houston for a few months. How do you keep busy? What's your hobbies? What kind of stuff are you into? My wife and my three year old are here. We can get up and we'll go. Uh, you can go like to 
you know, go out to lunch, go out to breakfast whenever we can. I got some friends that actually live in town, so we'll, you know, get together, let our kids play and, uh, you know, barbecue a little bit here and there. You know, but it's pretty much just routine as normal. You know, just wake up, drink my coffee and, you know, head to the field about lunchtime every day. That's about it. When you have a three-year-old, that that is a hobby, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they definitely keep you busy. So it's, uh, you know, they they come on the road as much as uh, much as possible. So it's uh, it's good to have them around. That was another one of the really good guys in the Astros clubhouse, Will Harris. Hope you've enjoyed some of our favorite parts of the Astros interviews we've done over the last year. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you're making us a regular part of your week. Go Strohs!